reluctantly crouched at the starting line engines pumping and thumping in time the green light flashes the flags go up churning and burning they yearn for the cup they deftly maneuver and muscle for rank fuel burning fast on an empty tank reckless and wild they pour through the turns their prowess is potent and secretly stern as they speed through the finish the flags go down the fans get up and they get out of town the arena is empty except for one man still driving and striving as fast as he can the sun has gone down and the moon has come up and long ago somebody left with the cup but he's driving and striving and hugging the turns and thinking of someone for Welcome to Talking Giants, presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. We got ourselves a mailbag podcast. We're going to talk about Kayvon. Is the offensive line better? Is it because of quarterback play? All that good stuff. But the biggest news, Justin, is that my day has come. The Giants have claimed Deion Jackson running back, former high school teammate of Andrew Thomas and college teammate of Daniel Jones. My info on this has finally paid off, and I already had a highlight video of DJ to Deion Jackson place. Justin, how are you? Wow, Bobby Skinner, good for you. Look at you go, Matt Parrott. This is was- why you play the game. This is why you. This is why you lift all those weights. Bill Parcells says. Uh, Matt Parrott goes to IR. Eric Gray goes to IR. Shockingly enough, Gary Brightwell didn't go to IR, but I think he'll be out for a little bit. So the Giants made moves. Oh, also, Deshaun Corbin's back, signed to the active roster. Yeah, so the Giants have five uh, running backs on the active roster right now with Gary Brightwell still on there and then Matt Breida, Saquon, and then Deion Jackson as well. Um, so maybe, maybe maybe moves do get made. But that is not what this podcast is about as much as I would like it to be. Um, we have a mailbag podcast to get into. And the first victory mailbag of the season because the Cardinals, yeah. we had Thursday Night Football, so we didn't get to do a mailbag that week. And the people who make it happen, Justin, they are Matthew Crisatelli. It's been a lot of pizza people uh lately pizza people which is kind of like a that's like a slur right like just making pizza jokes with italian people yeah, right like you, they, you they prob- just did it they probably get really annoyed by that but i'm here to do it uh tejas or tejas patel he's gonna tell he's gonna patel his friends to join the talking giants patreon bobby trees which i feel like not a real name is that like somebody from to- your family well no my name is bobby and i used to work in trees we got gary <laughs> hershorn is that you um Funny thing is when I got like clean and sober, uh, someone, one of my friends on Facebook was like, I-, I need a tree guy. And I was like, hey, hit me up. And he's like, not that kind of trees. And I was like, oh my God, how, how quickly, <laughs> I, how quickly I've forgotten. Gary Hershorn, um, he's got the horn and he's horn. Ryan uh, Babisi, he's gonna a weenie. And then Trey's 542811. I don't know what those numbers mean. It's a social security the, the number. Yards this year. Justin, who are these people? Uh, those wonderful people went to patreon.com slash talking giants for $2 a month. Plus, there's some other tiers if you want to join it. You get to hang out with us live while Bobby Skinner and I record the shows. Bobby Skinner will send you some stickers in the mail. Plus, there's some shirt raffles a couple times a month. Patreon.com slash talking giants. Uh, you'll be glad you did. Never said that after promoting the Patreon. And I will say, like, I am enjoying this victory week. More than I thought that I would, and it kind of does suck that Thursday Night Football against the 49ers happened so quick because I should have enjoyed that Cardinals win more. 
This yeah, is I enjoyed nice. that one a lot. I made like 10 extra videos that week because um, I knew we were going to lose to the 49ers. All right. Take it away, Steve. Mail time. Mail time. The mail's here. Come on. Bye, guys. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. Thanks, Steve, from Blue's Clues. Justin. Let's get into the mail. First question is coming from Zach Hengesteg at Zach Hengesteg. After a slow start, are you impressed with the way Kayvon has played over the past few weeks? Do you guys feel better about him long term? So Kayvon now has five and a half sacks, one QB hit and 14 pressures this season. Over half of that total production has come in the last two games. And he did play well versus Washington uh, Justin, and I want to talk about that before we get into like the full cave on talk. Um, he did play well, right? Like he worked the corner, he used hands and, and that was something, even when he's gotten the earlier sacks, a lot of it was like kind of working that inside move versus backup tackles. And those are good. Like there's not, not every pass rush in the NFL can do that. Cave on is one of those guys who can do it. And I want to see him do, it. but I want to see him work the corner a little bit. And he definitely did that versus Washington pretty damn well, right? It's not like bending the edge. He's not like bent, like he doesn't have a ton of bend, you know, dipping the edge, but he was getting the, around the corner and flattening that arc. So it has been a, a lot better than it was at the beginning of the season, Justin, ever since, uh, ever since Seattle. Um, so yeah, I, I do feel, I feel a lot better than I did after the San Fran game, after the first three games of the season by far, but I'm going to say I have higher expectations, right? Yes. And we came into this year and it's funny how it's kind of flipped where we're like, Hey, edge rushers don't really get a lot of sacks in the Wink Martindale scheme. So I'm not looking for 10 to 12 sacks, but I want consistent production. Well, it's kind of been flipped on his head where he's got great sack numbers, right? Five and a half through seven games. That's really good. Um, but the consistent pressure hasn't been there. Like his pass rush win rate is down from 9.7% to 6.9%. I mean, that's 47th of 53 edge rushers with 140 pass rush snaps. Um, he's 20 and even with those sacks, he's 24th of 50 of those 53 in sacks hits and pressures. And again, that most of that's coming from the sacks. Yeah, I'm glad that you actually brought up the one QB hit because a lot of people are probably confused because if you look at Pro Football Reference. It says, well, he has seven QB hits. I really love, this is rare that I say this, I really like the way that PFF tracks QB hits because I'm 97% certain that Pro Football Reference also counts sacks as QB hits. Um, PFF does not. Sacks is a different entity from the times that you hit the quarterback. So Kayvon Thibodeau has one QB hit outside of the six plays he has been involved in a sack. So what is it? How many is officially it's five and a half sacks there? So I think there have been six plays in total that he's been involved in a sack this year. One QB hit outside of that. That's not very good. Tibbs is uh, also, this is according to PFF as well. Kayvon Thibodeau has a run stop rate of 0.7%. Jihad Ward has a run stop rate of 1.6%. And also he has a missed tackle rate. Kayvon Thibodeau does of 18.2% missed tackle rate, according to PFF. He's creating negative plays. He's creating sacks. He's creating tackles for loss. I mean, Kayvon has five tackles for loss this year. He had six all of last year. So him creating negative plays is not the issue. But being an every down player, like down in, down out impact player, 
that's the issue right now for Kayvon Thibodeau. And and I I do have this theory. This is I've said this privately a couple times. Um, I think Kayvon would get a lot more criticism if Evan Neal wasn't so bad. Like I think the fact that Evan Neal is the way worse top ten pick right now, I think that absolves Kayvon from some criticism. But also, it's also the issue of us as football fans. We're so we're so dedicated, and we're so some people are very blindly judging players on their tackles for loss numbers and their sack numbers, and they're not willing to look elsewhere to see if Kayvon Thibodeau is an impact player or not. Oh, because you have a lot of sacks, that means you're an impact player. You're not, and I agree with you. Where I I expect Kayvon Thibodeau to be one of the league's best edge rushers, and despite the good sack number right now, he is not. He's not. Yeah, he's not playing the number – and again, if he played every game like the Commanders game, we'd be a lot happier with Correct. him. Correct. Um, and he's played – like he's like the last few – he's played well the last three games. So I don't want to get too negative, right? Like, But he's not also not playing at the number five pick level. You know, of, of eight guys in his class that met that threshold, he's eighth in pass rush run rate, fifth in just total production, but first in sacks. Now, here's where like uh, people say, ah, oh, sacks don't matter. Sacks absolutely matter. I think they're one of the most important plays in football. Yeah. And the best guys in the NFL consistently get them. But there is good pass rushers who don't get a ton of sacks, but they get consistent production. But the best guys, they get the sacks consistently, but they also get all those other numbers that go uh, that join with them, right? Yeah. Like there's guys whose sack numbers can fluctuate from year to year, but they're good. They're really good pass rushers, um, you know. It, but the best guys get both. Um, and right now he's kind of in like the the sacks, but not everything else going with it, right? And the numbers show that. And I think our eye test shows that up too. And uh, I want to give this guy credit because I'm going to trash him a little bit in the next question, Ethan. He had a tweet a couple weeks ago. He's like, okay, Kayvon has beat the bust um, rumors. Now beat the Olivier Vernon rumors. And it's stuck with me. Like, it's been stuck in my mind that, like, yeah. is, is he Olivier Vernon? Which is a good player, a guy who will get paid in the NFL, an impact player on your team, but not a top five level pick worthy type player. Right. And that's my word with Kayvon. But again, it's we're not even halfway through year two. So there's still a ton of room to grow. But I, I I did want to talk about this because I'm I'm I'm, ha- I'm much happier than the first three weeks of the season, but I'm also not like dancing for joy because look at the sacks number that the sack right. number that he has. <clears throat> he's still super young. He's turning twenty three on December fifteenth, um, so he's still super young. And we've seen, you know, hey, it took Dex a couple years to really unlock what he was doing. I know they're playing different positions, so every NFL player is different. But it is just a little frustrating to see a lot of these edge rushers that have been drafted top 10, top five in the past, you snap your fingers and they hit immediately. Whereas Kayvon Thibodeau, that's just not happening again, outside of the sack numbers. If anything, Bobby, I mean, well, I do like Aiden Hutchinson and Carl Aftis are playing better than him. Right. Yeah. And, and Trayvon yeah. Walker, who we criticize a lot. Like if you look at that sack hit pressure number to, in total, they have the same amount. Yeah. Which is, which is not good. And people, shook their heads when Trayvon Walker was taken number one overall and everybody celebrated Kayvon Thibodeau being picked to number five. So um, I will say, like, I, I do like the comparison by Ethan of Olivier Vernon. At least I think Olivier Vernon, I think he got like QB hits and pressures. Like right now, a, a player comp for Kayvon Thibodeau for me is Aziz Ojolari. Kayvon Thibodeau, in a way, is having the year that I thought maybe Aziz Ojolari would have. 
get a bunch of sacks, get a bunch of sacks. I mean, if anything, this matches like Aziz Ojolari's rookie year, except I think Kayvon's sack rate's probably higher. Aziz was bad against the run. He created a lot of sacks and didn't create a lot of pressures and QB hits. Like that, that's what Kayvon Thibodeau's doing. Basically, almost Aziz Ojolari's rookie year, except some more sacks. Yeah, well, Kayvon needs, I, I think they're di- very different player types where Aziz bends more. I'm talking Kayvon about is produ- much better pro- versus the run. Production. Kayvon needs to be more consistent versus the run, though. Yeah. Um, I was talking about like, production, not player comp. Okay. But he, he's a much, like, I, I'm thinking like player comp when I think of Olivier Vernon. Like, yeah. Kayvon does play the run well, and I think he's been halfway decent there this year but you do need more consistency from him there um so yeah it's it's a it's kind of a mixed bag with cave on um i want more from him i'm glad that we're not playing at the week one through week three level which was horrible like it was not just simply no stats right it's kind of been flipped a little bit like yeah uh if he could have you know he it, it was just bad football the first it was just flat out bad football the first three weeks the last for uh, four weeks, it's been above uh, average, but not like highly, highly, highly above average either. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, Again, this is this is coming from where I I expect the number five pick to play like the to play like the number five pick. That's where it's coming from for me. It's not like a yeah. I hate I hate Kayvon Fest or anything like that. No, I'm if he was if he was picked thirty ninth, fortieth, I think we'd be happier. He was picked fifth overall, <clears> and <throat> you do have to like your where you're drafted absolutely matters. Um, and I. Like that's a huge investment, and I want that huge investment to be hitting more. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right, next question. Next question is coming from Gridiron Guru. Has the offensive line played better with Tyrod Taylor, or has he just handled pressure better? Pressure numbers seem to be similar. I'm very glad this question got asked because I've been saving all my energy for this conversation for the podcast. Right. Because we're talking about do the math. Do the math. DJ has been under pressure 46.2% and has a sack rate of 15.6% this year. A career high uh, for his sack rate by double. Tyrod Taylor is under pressure 43% and has a sack rate of 9.1%. Which is still high, but obviously a lot better than Daniel Jones this year. So I want to go... I got a lot on this. I'm going to rant a little bit. So, has the offensive line played better with Tyrod Taylor, or is it simply the quarterback? Which the quarterback absolutely affects off, you know, pressure and all that stuff. Well, the first of all, before I get into all these numbers, we're going to use our eyes and we are going to tell the truth that the offensive line has 100% played better with Tyrod. Like, they gave him time versus the Commanders. There is, without a doubt, Tyree Phillips played well. Mark Lewinsky played well. Ben Bredesen played well. Marcus McKeithen did not, but he also hadn't played to the disaster level that he has. Justin Pugh did not play well, but he also wasn't a disaster where it's totally free rush type stuff outside of the one uh, play that uh, they timed up. And guess what? That turned into a freaking sack, right? Um... And let's go. Let's look at numbers, right? A couple things. Not all pressure dropbacks are created equal, right? You can get pressured by more than one player on a dropback, and guess what? It's one pressure dropback. So I looked at not QB created pressure, but O line tight end, like any and off player allowed pressure. Often, most essentially O line, but there's a couple tight end and running back ones in them. And the DJ five starts, allowing twenty per game. In the tie rod two starts, ten and a half per game, literally half, despite the fact that the pressure rate is there. Now, and again, there can be more than one pressure on a play. And guess what? Not all pressure is created equal, right? 
Like we talk about like the pressure rate. Did the pressure rate did the did the pass rush versus the 49ers look the same as it did versus Buffalo, Justin? No. But it's the same rate. It's the same pressure rate. But guess what? In that game, they literally got rid of the ball like quickly, right? And let's look at it by game. DJ, 67%, 29.5%. The Cardinals, good. 44.1%, 46%, 44%. Tyrod, 43.2% versus Buffalo, 33.3% uh, versus uh, the Commanders. So the Commanders game was the second best. Well, it's about uh, when. how long does it take the quarterback to throw? And I don't like the time to throw stat, but per NFL, ne- uh, NFL Next Gen, DJ, 2.73 seconds, snap to throw. Ooh, Tyrod's got to be a lot better. 2.72 for Tyrod Taylor. Literally, they couldn't be any closer and literally were the exact same. And also, when you look at the pressure rate for Tyrod, 28% of Tyrod's pressures came in the game of relief for da- versus Daniel Jones. Like, he had basically as many pressure dropbacks in the Miami game and those two drives as he did in the entire Washington game, right? Well... Guess what? Some quarterbacks allow uh, sacks and pressures and stuff. DJ has allowed four sacks in five games. Tyrod has allowed two sacks in two games in a quarter. Also, what we're not going to do is go off a small 2023 only sample size. DJ's pressure to sack rate this year has been pitiful. Pitiful, 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 pitiful. But I do think it it's kind of outweighed by the end of the Seattle game, which was absolutely bad, and we'll talk about that. But DJ's pressure the sack rate uh, has was 13th last year for guys that qualify and 9th uh, in 2025, which or 2021, which I do think correlates to Andrew Thomas a little bit. Daniel Jones' career sack rate is 8.6%, and Tyrod Taylor's is 9.3%. So I will talk about my issues about Daniel Jones in the next question, and I know this sounds like DJ defense, and it kind of is. Um, and the nuance to this conversation, but we're not, but what we're not going to do is pretend the O line wasn't an abomination with Daniel Jones, and outside content sources confirm that. And you can point to Seattle as blaming it for DJ pre pick six, right, uh, in that game. But outside of that, the offensive line has absolutely been an abomination with uh, under Daniel Jones, and these last two games under Tyrod Taylor, it has absolutely been a hundred percent better. The protection was flat out good versus the Commanders. Versus Buffalo, it was solid enough. Um, and I I refuse to pretend that it's not. Um, and I'm not going to be like, oh, well, it's because Tyrod knows how to manipulate a pocket and stuff, right? They both honestly struggle uh, with this a little bit. But Bobby, Justin Pugh had a 16 pass blocking rating. And hey, Pugh wasn't great versus the Commanders, right? He wasn't, even, he wasn't, he wasn't great. He wasn't good, right? Um... But, like, Tyree Phillips gave them the best game they've had at right tackle all year. Mark Lewinsky gave them the best game they've had at right guard all year. Ben Bredesen actually gave, as pass protection-wise, the best game they had at center all year. Because despite the things we like about JMS, he did have a few bad reps a game uh, outside of Arizona. No, so, not Arizona was probably a better center game. Um, McKeithen stinks, but it also it wasn't McKeithen's worst game. And Pugh uh, certainly wasn't good. But it it absolutely they they had time to operate. I think Tyrod's been escaping the pocket before Daniel Jones too. So, you know, we 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 talk about this on air about you know how the time to throw stat according to next gen isn't great, but I think the the pocket the average time spent in the pocket that Pro Football Reference has, if you compare it with the time to throw, I think that could tell a lot more of a story. And Tyrod Taylor's average time in the pocket this year is 2.1 seconds versus Daniel Jones 
it's 2.3. So it's about two tenths longer, but their time to throw is basically the same. And that's telling me that Tyrod Taylor is escaping the pocket sooner than Daniel than Daniel Jones was this year. And also, it's it's an inevitable difference. And you talked about this even before Tyrod Taylor started a game. And this this is the this is one of the main differences between Daniel Jones and Tyrod Taylor this year. Tyrod Taylor escapes a pocket looking to throw the ball. And that's his goal, where Daniel Jones is looking to kind of tuck it and run and not necessarily looking to throw the ball. And I think that's where you've seen some of the, you know, the more bigger plays come from outside of the the snap and throw that Tyrod Taylor does to Darius Slayton or Jalen Hyatt running deep. Uh, but I, I, I can't help but agree with you. And there's a lot of people that will disagree with you about the O-line, and they'll simply look at the pressure rate, pressure rate, pressure rate. Justin Pugh at a PFF rating of 16, and it's like pro. And this isn't even anti-Tyrod Taylor. This is, I think this is simply just trying to tell the this truth. Is the, uh, th- this is an offensive line question. Yeah. And this is, and this is, look, let's look at a bigger sample size question too, right? Yeah. Let's not go, let's not live in just the emotions of just 2023, which I get we want, we're in it, so we want to live it, but like the offensive line has played better and it's not a coincidence, right? Like Tyree Phillips been better than Neil, right? And you say, well, the math, the math, you know, that's all the, uh, you know, Ethan said, do the math. Uh, guess what? I went, uh, I did the math and I did a lot more math on that, all that answer before. What does that even and, mean, by the way? Do the math? Well, he did the one. He pissed me off and I hope Ethan's listening to this because I do like him. But but hey, he pissed me off. It's it, the game. The Commanders game wasn't even updated in the numbers, but it was pressure rate and then sack rate, right? Because so their pressure rate was and the pressure rate is similar even with the Commanders game since it's been updated, and DJ's sack rate is is a good bit higher. But again, we're living in the small sample size of 2023, and I think Seattle, which again I have DJ criticism, and I'm going to go at him in the next question, but it's not really a comparison to Tyrod Taylor. It's just D, it's just Daniel Jones by himself. Yeah. But again, the like the idea that oh the offensive line didn't play better versus the Commanders bullshit. They protected well yeah. uh, versus the Commanders. Buffalo they didn't do anything great, but they did enough. So yeah, uh, they they absolutely protected well versus the Commanders. And anyone uh, saying they didn't is full of shit. Yeah. And, yeah, and if you want to look at the plays that they didn't protect well, it fucked up the offense, right? Like Tyree Phillips, the one play got beat around the corner. Tyrod Taylor takes a sack. Justin Pugh gets beat off the line quick versus Chase Young. Tyrod Taylor takes a sack. Did McKeithen get beat against Deron Payne had a sack, right? No, Payne fucking Glowinski whooped his ass. Maybe Payne did, but Go- McKeithen did not get beat for a sack, but McKeithen was definitely the worst of the five. Okay. McKeithen had one really bad rep and and that was actually probably one of the probably the p- pressure that Tyrod did the best with where he escaped and and got the ball to Saquon for a first down. Yeah. Yeah, and Tyrod's right. doing like again. Th- this this is not a, even a question about Tyrod. This is a, I'm not gonna like. We're not gonna pretend the first five weeks the offensive line wasn't abysmal, and that we don't have bigger sample sizes to pull from. With right, Daniel Jones. Right, right, and that uh, that's honestly one of the things that bothered me the most about. Again, I know this is an offensive line question, but that's one of the things that bothered me most about some of the reaction to Daniel Jones versus Tyrod Taylor. I, I am a Sue me. I'm a person that does believe in in large sample sizes. I am. Like there there is a reason. Got a guy with a five year career and a guy who's thirty four years old. We should not be. If any if anything, over. Bobby, 
if anything, because if you are a rational person that believes in sample sizes, which I think anybody should, if anything, Bobby, the fact that Tyrod Taylor's career sack rate is higher than Daniel Jones's sack rate, which both of them do have decent amount of sample sizes. Daniel Jones has three different coaching staffs. Tyrod Taylor has how many different teams that he's been on. So it's a good way to evaluate kind of offensive uh, quarterback play in multiple different schemes and on multiple different teams. You know, it should be more of a referendum that Tyrod Taylor's sack rate is lower with these last two weeks than Daniel Jones's through his first however many weeks of, of, the, of the first five weeks of the season. It should be more of a referendum on the offensive line's improvement over the last two weeks. Does that does that make sense? Yes, yes. And again, like if you want to go game by game, like if and if you want to use PFF numbers for like allowed pressure and stuff, week one versus Dallas. Uh, and in fact, I, I have the numbers, but like basically, I think he allowed maybe one hit. Week two versus the Cardinals, uh, it was good too. Week three was I think he didn't allow anything versus the 49ers. Um, and then the seat now the Seattle game was bad. Right, and the Seattle game is really where all of that allowed pressure and stuff comes from, because it yeah. was really bad in that game. And then Miami, you could talk about the um, the the debate, the, the play, the whole free rusher play. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. also, like you had two, you had three guys coming at him at one time. It wasn't just one free rusher where you got to throw hot. Yeah. Um, and again, I think the one big improvement and one big difference is Tyrod looking to throw versus Daniel Jones looking to run on the run. I think that is the Biggest difference, and if anything, it's been the biggest plus of Tyrod Taylor in in this system, in this year's offense, with this year's offense. I think that is the biggest plus for Taylor in this, and I think that simply is the answer. And the career sample size shows that too, not just this season. Correct, Um, correct. But again, when we talk about, oh, the pressure numbers are similar, again, 28% of Tyrod's pressures have come in the games of relief of Daniel Jones. Like, he had two less... uh, he had two more pressures versus the Commanders than he did on two drives versus the Miami fucking Dolphins. Okay, next question, because now we can get in on DJ a little bit and this conversation a little yeah. more. More more than because I, I even though that did turn into a Daniel Jones Tyrod Taylor question, it it was kind of about the like we're not gonna lie about the offensive line uh question too. Yeah, so uh, this question is coming from David at D underscore Leone. Uh can we Please do a deeper dive into why there isn't actually a QB controversy, why this conversation is much more nuanced than uh, than people are leading on. And then with that said, what we think Daniel Jones needs to do in order for them to not draft a quarterback in the first round next year. Well, to answer one, why it's not a controversy, you paid Daniel Jones, and whether you like it or not, there he is he is a starter. Now I'm I the injury report will be out today when people listening to this. I don't think he's playing this week. I don't think he's playing until he's physically clear for contact. And his right. Kay Adams interview did not make you feel any better about it. Um, It is nuanced, Justin. But here's something I'm not going to do in all this DJ and Tyrod stuff. I'm not going to do the would DJ make this throw game. I'm not going to play that game. Or I'm not going to do the would Tyrod do good versus pressure game, even though I am going to do okay. that later. But let me question. ask you this. But let me ask you this. Because especially... The O-line, someone improving, makes this a significant question, makes it a tough question. I think Tyrod Taylor has operated this year's offense better than Daniel Jones. Do yes, you I agree g- or disagree? I agree. If you look at the full season body work, and again, not like, like well, the offensive line, just look at it. 
who's performed better? Tyrod has outperformed DJ, despite the fact that I think if you take DJ's two best games versus Tyrod's two best games, you take Daniel Jones. I take Arizona and Miami, and you can say, well, look at the Mi- what happened to Miami. I thought Daniel Jones played pretty damn well in that game. Then Tyrod's Buffalo and Washington. But again, Tyrod's only had two games to uh, get his chance, where DJ got five games. Um, but Tyrod has not had these bad disaster plays. He's had some mistakes here and there, but they haven't been bad or disaster plays where Daniel Jones has, right? And I think Ty- uh, Daniel Jones has left much more on the on the field than Tyrod has on even on a per game basis. And again, going outside of the pressure. So I absolutely believe that. And I also, I'm not going to. I'm not going to discount Tyrod because of point total either, right? Go watch the film and tell me where he's leaving points on the board, right? You can pull some stuff here and there, but there's not these big like, oh, he's leaving points on the board type stuff. Uh, So again, if you look at the full body of work over the last five years, though, DJ is clearly the better quarterback, right? And I think by a wider margin, the people will say right now in the emotions of the moment, um, right? And if even to go read like, like, let me ask you this. Which game was better, Tyrod on Sunday or Daniel Jones in the Commanders tie last year? I, I've, I mean, I guess I would have to say Tyrod. Uh, this could be a wrong answer because maybe I'm not remembering remembering it right. Tyrod against the Commanders on Sunday, right? I disagree. I think you disagree. This, I think DJ versus Ty. I thought he outperformed scheme in that game. You had the drop on the alert throw that he threw to Darius Slayton. He had another big play to Darius Slayton. And again, I want to talk about Jalen Hyatt and how he changed. Like you don't they there's things they can do this year that they couldn't do in past years, right? Like they shaved the safety of the Darius Slayton for the first Jalen Hyatt catch. Last year that doesn't mean anything. This year it means you can throw to Jalen Hyatt. Um, and again, I want to get to the the portion of this question where I'm very critical of DJ. Um, the biggest knock though, is the 20 plus yard throw rate, um, is like Tyrod's is 12.2%, right? And DJ's over the last, you know, few years is much, much lower than that, right? That's where I think you can, uh, the biggest knock is right where, and, but here's the thing. I want to go through the quick and I told myself I want to play this game, but I'm playing the game. The DJ, uh, Tyrod's completed five 20 plus yard throws. The two slot fades to Darius Slayton, those are man coverage, like pre-snap reads. I think Daniel Jones is pulling the trigger on those, and I, if you disagree with me, I simply don't give a shit. The first Jalen Hyatt pass uh, versus the Commanders, DJ is absolutely pulling the trigger on that. That's like, what the hell is going on? We are throwing that ball. Um, The other one, the second uh, Jalen Hyatt one, I'm not going to say for sure on that one. And then the Darren Waller on the crosser, on play action, DJ stole that. So four of the five that is completed, DJ is pulling the trigger on, and I say that without without a doubt in my mind. Um, the ones that he doesn't though is the play action uh, where Tyrod rolled out and threw to Hyatt last week, and it should have been counted as a catch, right? So that's one. The uh, uh, Hyatt the the touchdown one that he had a one hand could have had a one hand touchdown. I don't think DJ's throwing that. I, that's an alert throw. I think he just throws the screen on that, and then you don't. I don't think he throws the arm punt. Um, and maybe the one other one on the sideline to Hyatt. And also, he doesn't throw the one where Wandale's open against Buffalo. So there's good and bad to that, right? There's plays where DJ makes better decisions, and then there's plays that DJ leaves stuff on the field. Um, but here's the thing. Here's Let's get to the freaking point of this question. DJ's battle is not against Tyrod Taylor, right? 
I will say without a doubt, DJ is a better quarterback than Tyrod Taylor, even though Tyrod Taylor's, uh, if you just look at their season, Tyrod's been better. But DJ's battles with upgrading to a QB in the draft, right? And when we saw this contract, we kind of envisioned that that could happen after year three and possibly year two. But right now, it could happen after year one, right? They be- If they believe they can upgrade with a quarterback in the draft that can take their offense to another le- level. DJ has left big plays on the field where you need to ask him to process and be a little ballsy and read the deep middle of the field. Not these sideline deep throws, but the deep middle of the field process, move safeties with your eyes. Um, and they're playing into a position to take a quarterback. They, right now they have the fifth pick in the draft. And every week that Daniel Jones doesn't play, it gets worse. Um, so DJ, this is where I'm really soured on DJ, is that not just, uh, well, the offensive line. That when stuff has been there, that at, that a quarterback with quicker processing would have taken shots or t- you know completed this or not taken a sack. He has not done that. And as someone who has liked DJ's play from the second half of 2020 until this past season, it's really soured me and being like, man, I, 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 I want the next quarterback. Yeah. Right? Not taking a quarterback for the sake of taking a quarterback – but I'm looking forward to the next quarterback more so than DJ being the guy, which does, which sucks. I thought that I probably might be at that at the end of year two or year three, but I definitely didn't think I'd be at it the first half of year one of yeah, this five, year. Five games, five games and, into it, and right? The only thing that DJ can Seven. do to change my mind on that is not to play well. He can come back this season and play well, but if it's pl- it's playing well, doing big boy things at the quarterback. Yeah on a consistent basis and until that happens i am not like like i i would i'm looking forward to the next quarterback yeah yeah for sure by the way i revisited that washington conversation uh tyrod had a higher total epa he had a had a higher epa per play uh daniel jones's cpoe was higher in the in the tie last year though so i we're gonna have to agree to disagree i do think tyrod at least from an efficiency standpoint, played better than Daniel Jones in the tie last that, but year. That, my point in that was I thought the film in that game was really good. That's, that was a game where I actually thought one of the few were the, I think, schematics held him back. Sure. Oh, yes. All right. Yes, that was a that was a good point. All right, so let me ask you this too because I wanted, I wanted to ask you this. Do you think that the offense is similar? Like the, the, the plays that Mike Kafka and Brian Dable are asking Tyrod Taylor to make – do you think those plays are similar to the plays that they were asking Daniel Jones to make? I mean, we know that Tyrod Taylor, the you know the big throw rate, the the big time throws, that stupid set that PFF has, it's gone up tremendously. You know, in Tyrod Taylor's favor, um, you know, we know that the explosive play rate I think is up by a little bit. So, is the offense asking Tyrod to do the same things that they were asking Daniel Jones to do? Yeah, I mean, they added that shock concept that I did a video on, but that's kind of a, a simple thing. But where Tyrod is, like, if you say, like, make, he's throwing the alerts, right? Now, yeah. part of that, is, again, is I think the commanders played Hyatt like no one else is going to play Hyatt this year. Um, but Hyatt has thrown the alerts, right? Like, that that play that it was almost a Hyatt touchdown, that was a screen play. And I, DJ throws that screen 10 times out of 10. I doubt he throws the alert on that. I also like Tyrod's manipulating the defense with his eyes a little bit more than what DJ does. Yeah, you saw that in the Miami game. Maybe a... I don't think I've seen that a ton the last couple games. Maybe a little bit. 
right? But I that really to me showed up more so in the honestly more so in the Miami game in relief than the the last couple games. Maybe maybe a little bit. But I think Tyrod has like he created that Saquon touchdown by by escaping. Um, but again, I don't want to do the whole, well, let me go pull film of DJ doing similar things because he has. Um, so. Yeah, it just sucks. And I'll tell you what, Bobby, if, if we're here like next the Saquon, week. Actually, the Saquon touchdown versus the Cardinals. That was DJ stepping up in the pocket, running out. And hey, yeah. so I but guess if, it if, is. If we're here next week, Bobby, and Andrew Thomas comes back, he's the left tackle. Tyrod Taylor leads the Giants into MetLife again this Sunday and wins a ball game against a good defense. The conversation gets even more complicated, man. It, 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 from a, it gets from complicated a fan perspective. How? I think it gets more complicated from a fan perspective. Even the fan perspective doesn't mean anything. I know, but it, it it just does get more complicated, though. If Tyrod Taylor comes in here and goes 2-1 and one and the offense is more explosive and the offense is better, even though it's not much better, it's better and they're starting to win games. If if the conversation is already at what I said with about upgrading the quarterback event again, I just to me it is has this is there is no DJ first Tyrod within the building. Yeah, you never know I, things change. Yeah, It'll, I just don't. I, it would it would DJ have to DJ who had that to come back in and play and play like Seattle consistently for that to happen. Maybe they just don't clear him. <laughs> I mean, I'm not believing he's being cleared until it happens, right? Yeah. So yeah, for sure. All right, it's not looking good. Let's get this next question. Let's get this next question. I really hope we're going to be talking about something different. Die the Giant at NYG in Wales. Be reporting that Dable is going to be taking over ad reading. Any truth in that? No, I'm the ad reader. Today's episode is sponsored by Shady Rays. Take on the sun with gear built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered with premium polarized shades and affordable price. You guys know I love Shady Ray. Ray, and I love even more Shady Rays. That's the way she goes. Shady Rays offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair we've worn. Durable frames and extremely clear optics. That's not all. Shady Rays Ray offers the most insane, insane in the membrane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements, which has always been like th- my thing. It's like um, I'm not gonna buy like good sunglasses because I'm going to lose them or break them. Like literally what this is saying with shady rays. I don't have to worry about that at all. So if you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they will send you a brand new pair. Not no questions asked, which I know when a lot of times when companies say that you're like, Oh, but you have to call this and do no, no questions asked. They just do it. Wear your shady rays with confidence because they have your back long after your purchase. Exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal of the season. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code GIANTS for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. And the offer now applies to the custom Jimmy and Jake collab shapes. So go get yours now. Who is Jimmy and Jake? They're our bosses. You'll be glad you did. Next question. Ben Butler is asking the next question at Ben Butler 7 we know Hyatt's deep game is great, but how has he looked in the short to medium routes? So he still really can't get off press great, even though the first big play was press, but there's just no safety, so it doesn't really matter. Um, 
He's really not part of the progressions still. No, he's not. I was get, I was even going to ask you, is he even running like short to medium routes? I think the only one that I can remember that if he was part of a progression Sunday versus the Commanders, I, I think there was an RPO and Tyrod started to look his way on a, on a little slant. But I was, you know, it's so funny. J- Jimmy was sitting, my buddy Jimmy was sitting right next to me. You know, it's like, well, Tyrod was getting pressed there. So I, 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 couldn't envision him getting separation there, and I think Tyrod either had to throw the ball away, tuck it and run, do do something. Uh, I think that's one of the only times that I saw him be part of a progression, kind of like in the intermediate part of the field, and he just couldn't get any separation. Yeah, he's basically like getting the ball thrown to him on alerts, um, and they like when he he's basically running down the field on almost every play, and most teams are not the Commanders and respect him, right? So they have the safety and they're bailing and they're covering him deep. So he's really not a big part of the, 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 like the, the progression, which I know people say, well, you got to do it more, but Darius Slayton is a better overall player right now. Um, despite the fact that Hyde is so explosive, right? Like you have to be able to do some of that stuff. And Dable has said it, like he's got a ways to go, but he's an, like a good, he's an exciting young player and he's productive. Um, like the most he's been in progressions really was Arizona and the limited reps uh, but mostly it's just been clearing out. But the commanders played him stupidly. Like the commander's game plan was very stupid uh, versus Jalen Hyatt. But it'll be interesting to see the more playing time he gets, how many, like op- if he gets like a handful of opportunities per game to do those explosives though. I don't know if uh, Pro Football Reference has any qualifying, like do you, do you need to qualify to have X amount of targets or catches to be number one in yards per reception. Right now, Nico Collins and they George do. Pickens. They He's do. third out of guys with 10 targets. Marvin Mims at- and um, Justin Watson have more with okay. guys with 10 targets. All right, cool. Um, I was I was wondering about that. So nine receptions, 14 targets so far, 195 yards, 21.7 yards per reception on a 64.3% catch rate. That's honestly what's most impressive to me, Bobby, with a average depth of target of... 23.8 so basically 24 yards with an average target of basically 24 yards having a catch rate of 64 percent i think is impressive um you know and we, and we talked about it where, with tyrod how you know he's completing like 50 percent of his deep balls a lot a decent amount of them have been the jalen hyatt so i'm very pleased with the very very pleased with the role that jalen hyatt is playing and it's kind of like exactly what we the role that we thought that he would play coming out of Tennessee and it's like best case scenario yeah and eventually obviously he has to become more part of progressions and become a better route runner and deal with press better but right now this is fine but I I here's the thing I when you're facing zone coverages you can make him more part of the progression when you're facing like hey like because I, I think that will help him a little bit so I do want to see him be a more part of it but it's not like the drastic more that I think a lot of people want for Jalen Hyde either Against I'm I'm interested. Uh, so, uh, spoiler. One of the questions that I want to ask you, or at least not even spoiler. This is just a heads up. One of the questions that I want to ask you, since I think the Jets are pretty good at limiting the explosive play. That's at least just on the top of my head. But they also drop a lot of their guys back. They drop a lot of their guys back in coverage. They're not aggressive playing man coverage like the Giants are. I want to ask you, how is Jalen Hyatt going to be successful 
Or how can he be successful against the Jets defense? Like, is it just outrunning these guys? Or can we get him, you know, running some uh, some in routes over the middle of the field where he's selling vertically, selling vertically, then cutting towards the middle of the field, and then maybe he can get open that way, maybe even get some some yards after the catch. So that's a spoiler, spoiler question for the Jets preview pod that I want to talk about. We really need him to beat Sauce so we can revisit the preseason uh-huh. uh, conversation. This is true. This is so true. Give, give us two plays, Robert Sala, of no safety help. That'd be great. First play of the game. Let's let's just mirror exactly what happened in the Jets preseason game and just first play of the game. Go back to don't, that same. Don't call. put the safety over the top though. Don't be soft. Don't be soft, Sala. Don't be soft. People are saying your name is nickname is Soft Sala. Don't be soft. Um, speaking of young corners, Bobby, do you have anything left to say about Ben Butler's question? Next question. Owen Kane at Owen Kane 12 with how well the Giants young corners are doing. Would you be surprised if the Giants trade away a Dory for some picks? Did you know that this is the last mailbag before the trade deadline? I wish there was another week because I feel like the Giants need another week. (laughs) No, I kind of like it where it's like they beat the Jets and we're not really thinking trade deadline. If they lose, it's like obviously we're gonna gonna move some stuff. Now the thing you might need a week for is for Adora Jackson to get healthy. So, do you think there's anyone realistically that's a bigger trade target for other teams besides outside of Adora Jackson? Because I think he's the he's the clear one where you could get a good pick back and also make sense. Like Leonard Williams isn't getting traded. No, he's too big of a Saquon Barkley is not getting traded. No, like it's basically like Adora Jackson, Paris Campbell. Who That's else? It. That's it. Yeah, I, would, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to trade anybody else away. Um, you're not trading Jason Pinnock. Um, no, no, that's not. And like, like I'm just trying to. Xavier, just, people say Xavier McKinney, but Xavier no, McKinney's not going to get anything that's worth trading Xavier McKinney. No, that's that's not. I I even asked that a couple weeks ago, and I I, I Xavier McKinney was kind of like on my shit list a couple weeks ago. He's 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 playing all right. He's playing a little bit better. Yeah, I mean, besides Adori, nobody else like is screaming at me that makes sense. So, also the giant, the Giants, des- um, Giants desperately need Leonard Williams. Anytime, and you could you could roll your eyes all of me all you want. Anytime Leonard Williams comes off the field, anytime Dexter Lawrence comes off the field, I am praying, praying that there is not a ten plus yard run allowed. Praying it happened a couple times, happened a couple times against the Commanders. Those cats are running off the field. It's first and second down. And I'm like holding on. Holding on. You can scoff at me all you want, but I'm right. Scoff away, people. Also, Banks has he puts now he got beat beat twice by Terry McLaurin deep, right? But he so here's my thing with Banks now. Get better at the catch space because you saw like that was good coverage for 85% of the routes on those. And then he kind of just loses McLaurin at the catch space. And then Ronnie Bell beat him for a touchdown. DK Metcalf beat him for... So be better at the catch space. But at the start of reps, dude, he's pressing cats up. And it looks good. It looks good. Um, so, yeah, where I am a little more willing to move Adore... Again, I don't think the Giants are making the playoffs anyway. So, like, Adore is someone who I actually think, if he's healthy, a team, cornerback, people... Like, that's a perfect, like, position where people feel they're a position away. He's been very good. He's not very old, so he's a team could see themselves resigning him, and I could see you getting some actually good trade value. And again, the other one is the one I've been saying for a month, and no one gives a shit. 
But a Paris Campbell pick swap like the Michael Hardman trade would make sense. Unfortunately, the Chiefs already did that with Michael Hardman, and they were my target for that trade. Oh, but no. someone else could do it. Colts, bring him back. Colts, bring him back. Go for it. I think Paris Campbell could still be a productive player on a team that faces a lot of zone coverages because their quarterback is respected um, to <laughs> push the ball down the field. Tough. Buffalo Bills. How about that? Buffalo Even Bills. though the Buffalo Bills, if there's anything that needs a Dory Jackson right now, it is the Buffalo Bills. Brandon Bean, we get we, we did you guys got us boogie bash him. Now we uh and like twenty other people, revenge game, revenge game, revenge game. Go go get a Dory Jackson. Even though I would hate to see a Dory Jackson, it would make me sad to see him go. But it makes me sad to see basically any player that's been here for more than a couple of years ago. Boogie Next Basham. Question. Boogie Basham has a higher run stop run stop rate. Run stop rate than Kayvon Thibodeau. How do you like that? Um, Eli Deplax at Eli Deplax underscore. I know Tyrod is a professional veteran dude who doesn't want to cause any controversy, but what do you think about him going in the postgame press conference saying read an ad? Well, I'll tell you what I think because I love that he said that because Manscaped, oh, Manscaped are one of the best products that we have out there, one of the best sponsors that we have out there because they have so many products. And gentlemen across the nation, I have an urgent message for you. This episode is brought to you by Manscaped. The brand that took your balls to space is now launching them to the Ultrasphere, introducing the Manscaped's fifth generation performance package featuring the all-new Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. Just when you thought the 4.0 was awesome, now they're making a fifth one, and they're adding Ultra at the end of it just to make it even better. Nine million men worldwide. Join them, including me and Bobby, because we, we trust Manscaped. The new Performance Package 4.5.0, not 4, Performance Package 5.0 Ultra. Um, enjoy it by going to manscaped.com for 20% off, plus free shipping with the code GIANTS. High tech for low places Manscaped, that's right, get 20% off and free shipping with the code GIANTS at manscaped.com. 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use promo code GIANTS. Your balls have been through enough. It's time to go ultra with Manscaped. Bobby Skinner, you'll be glad you did. Um, next question is did, coming. Uh, did, um, yeah. Oh, I just lost my train of thought. It was something about... um. Shaving your oh, because you, you talk about yeah. Leonard Williams. Oh. So you saw the Leonard Williams, like, uh, you know, coaches have their favorites, with, and people tried to be like, does he? I, I love the thing where it's like, anytime something bad happens to the Giants, like, disease of me, Michael Lombardi. It's like, shut the fuck up. And did you see, I, I like actually like laugh when uh, they set up that stunt sack for Leonard Williams, and Wink comes over to him and he's like, see, that's why you've always been my favorite. I thought that was very, <laughs> very funny. It was very good. Um, Next question. Let's set let's set up more players for sacks. Maybe that will actually result in more sacks. Um, day balls to the waller at J underscore loopy. When Andrew Thomas, yeah, remember him? When Andrew Thomas comes back, what will the offensive line look like? We're adding JMS and Neil to this to get a full look. This is harder than you think because Glowinski played well the last couple games. You have Pew. So I'm going to go with this. I'm not going to let Glowinski's last couple games. We're going to do like we talked sample size. I'm going to go Thomas, Pugh, JMS, Bredesen, Neal. And if Pugh struggles at left guard, I got a quick trigger to put Bredesen at left and Glowinski at right. I'm putting Bredesen at left and Pugh at right. And then the rest of the line is the same. Yeah, I thought about that, leaving Bredesen at left, but Pugh has like 
specifically mentioned left guard a few oh, he times did. where I okay where I say that, but even though I part of me would be like just go play right guard. Let, but you know what? I'm at the point where we put Ben Bredesen in a million different spots. What's putting him back at right guard at this point? Yeah, just yeah. Let's fuck with him a little bit more. Why not? Yeah, I mean, it's like it's like would you rather fuck with a guy who's not been fucked with or just like hey, just push the other guy a little bit. Like hey, he, go back. You're finally getting a little. He's finally like playing center a little better. It's <laughs> like all right, back to back to guard with you. Yeah. On the side that has he even played right guard this year? In preseason. In pre- I don't think he's played it in the regular season. In preseason, lovely. Um, all right, yeah. So that's the that's the lineup. Yeah, it's been, it's been how, left how guard bad, or center. How bad is uh, Evan Neal's injury? We don't know. That was that was one thing that kind of snuck up on us, and we didn't really talk about it that much. Yeah, he. Got, I think he got like re-injured on Friday, so that like Friday was the first like DNP or whatever. Was there a practice report today? No, they're off no, Monday. No, the first one comes out Wednesday. All right, so we'll so we'll keep an eye on that as as Friday gets closer because we didn't keep an eye on it last week. And well, no, you just said he got re-injured Friday. And we record our preview pods on Thursday. So, all right, Evan Neal, get better, but also take your time. But, uh, ask the next question. <laughs> T at at Tone, Tone to Co. Any chance the Evan Neal experiment at right tackle ends during the season and they try him at guard? Or is that not realistic given where he was drafted? I think, hashtag you'll be glad you did. I think we are going to really disagree on this. I think there is very little shot that the Giants move Evan Neal in season. I think there's I, very little shot versus I think you would think about it, right? I think there's little shot it happens. I think you would if he, if you get to the last four games of the year, you're totally out of it. And Neal is continuing to play bad at tackle. You absolutely got to try McGuard because you can't go into week. You cannot go into next year with him as your right tackle. But also, like I wouldn't want to totally give up on the asset. Also. Thank you for the question, Tone. Here's something that's uh, annoyed me a little bit is every bad player is an experiment. It's not an experiment. Uh, an experiment would actually put be putting Neil at guard. I, I just hate when every bad player... Can we end the uh, the Gary Brightwell experiment? Fuck, not, not an experiment. He's a six-round pick. Can we can we end the freaking Austin Calitro experiment? That's something that bothers me that really shouldn't bother me. But it does. Uh, but yeah, you kind of... Like, again... Like and Tyree Phillips played well, right? Like he played like a good swing right, uh, swing tackle. Right? Doesn't doesn't you don't go out there and like, oh look, this guy's the next good tackle. But he looked like a good swing tackle. I do think it's an indictment on Bobby Johnson that he came back. His foot look, footwork looked absolutely better. His hand usage looked absolutely better. And now we finally have something to point at Bobby Johnson and say, look, that guy left you and got a lot better. He left for like four weeks, six, but he left you and got a lot better. And that Six makes weeks. you want to not, and that also is like, whoa, give, give like Neil's like, again, where we've talked about Neil has, inc- like his footwork has improved, right? And that's something he worked on in the season, getting out of a stance, and that's absolutely improved. But now it's like the hand placement's so bad, and I worry about the balance and stuff and physical abilities about ever being like a great tackle. But it's like, it, we just, we have, we, again, the two guys with like the best technique this past Sunday weren't on the roster for, you know, Phillips until now and Pew until last week. Yeah, I, I just you're not. And again, I I'm I'm glad we agree with the at least the expectation that they're not going to move him at right tackle 
this year. I think he's I think he's staying right there at right tackle. So I think because you, you say this all the time, you're not learning your craft in season. You're preparing for the opponent in season. So if you move Neil to guard, he's not going to learn how to play guard. He's going to prepare for the Rams on New Year's Eve. So Yeah, but he's played guard before. Yeah. And it's like, again, he's like, Deals, he struggles with some, a lot of the speed stuff, and that doesn't happen as much at guard. Oh my god! And can you imagine Aaron Donald versus Evan Neal at guard? Here, well, here's, here's, your, here's your first game. Everybody. I'm not going to judge him on that. Here's your first game, Evan Neal at guard. Yeah. What if he <laughs> dominates him? How about that? You never thought oh, about that. Didn't didn't think about that. Talking your shit. Next question. GPO Giants hates necks, ankles, groin, hamstrings, and and etc. At GPO Giants, etc. The 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 name and the user is just too long for us to. Pick it up on the screenshot. I can't believe the listeners are still winning the spread picks. Maybe you should shut the F up and read an ad instead. And I think I will. Because we're going to find out if the listeners are still winning spread picks on Friday's preview pod. So the spread picks is going to be... It's, some wild stuff happens Sunday. Did but I we're not good, saying anything until the preview pod. Did I have a good week? Again, I told you, we will not say anything until the preview pod. Oh, and DraftKings, they're bringing us the spread picks, and they're also sponsoring this episode, too. We got good news about DraftKings today. I won't officially announce it, because what's the point? It's like, I think it's happening next year. But we got some news from DraftKings, and it's all because of you that's listening and that watch and that support, especially the videos that Bobby does on Talking Giants. So thank you. We're back with another week of football, and DraftKings Sportsbook is keeping us in on the NFL action with great offers every single day. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Throw five down on any of this week's epic match. Matchups to walk away an instant winner and DraftKings isn't stopping there all customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this month football's more fun when you're in on the action so download the app now and sign up with the code world new customers can bet just five dollars to get 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code world the crown is yours gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.com 1-800-GAMBLER.net in New York, call 877-88-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 in Connecticut. Help is available for, for, for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas. Licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, 21 plus age, varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Bob is you'll be glad you did here's the final question of the mailbag which i believe we're going to end this right hopefully a little south of an hour mikey at mikey underscore glover as giants content creators how do you speak to a fan base so divided um i got a dm this, recently well that's a fun question to end on yeah i, I got a dm recently i just want to say this first off got a dm recently criticizing m- whether it was myself or you and i after one of the more, more recent games saying that you guys speak for the fan base, so you need to say, you need to criticize this, or you need to support this more. I can't disagree with that more. I do I do not speak for the Giants fan base. I feel like, Bobby, you may agree with me. I, I don't feel like we speak for the fan base. Speak to the I fan speak, base. I speak for myself, like, mm-hmm. as a Giants fan. Like, that, that I don't represent anybody and i know I, I represent myself and like my opinions and my beliefs and if you don't like it then that's 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 a you problem 
Here, I, I thought this was fun because here's the thing. Like, the fan base is so divided. I don't think it is. I think it's the vocal minority that you see their tweets and their bickering. Like, for all the people that listen to this show, I think 98% are not divided, right? It's just, like, like you sit back and you look at a stadium, right? It's like, even when I talk, it's like, man, sometimes I'm, like, proud of, like, the numbers, like, how it's grown. And then it's like, you look at, like, you look out into the parking lot and it's like, 99% never have listened or whatever percent. Uh, so it really is a vocal minority, right? And even if like nine, if there's people that disagree with us when they're listening to the pod, I think most are like, well, they at least are rooted in, like, they're not just saying stuff to say it. Also, I save a lot of stuff for the pod when I can explain, like that whole, like the whole O-line thing at the beginning. I know a lot of people are going to be like pissy. I'm like, you know what? I don't give a shit. I'm just going to say what I think and what I, what I believe and what I know. Also, a lot of people are going to comment after they hear that online discussion, and I think if people even wait just another 10, 15 minutes and they actually hear the back end of that conversation where we literally said Tyrod Taylor is operating the offense better than Daniel Jones, I think that will make people feel a lot better, but because we live in such a society that's reactionary, 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 I'm going to say what I want without hearing a full statement or a full conversation – we're going to get more negative comments, which, again, I don't really care. Um, and I will, and I try not to react to those comments and make that a basis of how I talk about the Giants. But we're going to get more negative comments tomorrow because we started out the podcast with that question and that conversation than actually how we finished off the QB conversation. Well, this is the first losing season we've had since 2021. Yeah, yeah. and that's why if it is I- divided, that's why it's divided. Because the Giants fucking suck. Yeah, but I'm at, like, then, back then I would care more. Now I'm at a point where I simply, now there's people who give me constructive criticism, but you it's, you have to be someone that I respect. But yeah. the, I don't give a shit about people who just, like, want to shit on it. To be honest, like, I don't read very much of it either. But honestly, I think 99% receive everything well. It's, it's like 1% who just are yeah. on Twitter and like to argue all the damn day. Yeah. The Giants suck, and that's the thing that stinks the most about the the Giants fan base right now they they not they don't just stink when they were expected to stink they stink when they were expected to take a step up from last year and that's the regardless of whether it's Daniel Jones Tyrod Taylor offensive line this that this that the worst part about the Giants this season is that they're not a good team that is the worst part of the season also it's just social media like we meet a lot of people at training camp tailgates whatever Justin and has anyone ever came up to us and been like the fucking you said this about a Daniel no it just doesn't happen it's it just does not happen because Justin will shoot you in the fucking head all right let's get that shouldn't have ended like that I just I wanted to say something messed up all right we appreciate you guys we'll be back Friday with a preview pod the MetLife Bowl this time it counts like the all-star game campaign 20 years ago or whatever it was at this point I'm actually gonna end this and watch game seven the NLCS go Diamondbacks we'll see you then who are they? The Phillies. Yeah, I'm definitely rooting for the Diamondbacks. Fuck the Phillies. All right, we'll see you on Friday. Until then, let's go Big Blue. Big Blue.